Welcome to the Strongstown United Methodist Church. Join us for worship each Sunday morning at 11. Here's this week's message. All right, my scripture today comes from Genesis 21, 8 through 21, and then Matthew 10, 24 to 39. So Genesis 21, beginning at 8. The child grew and was weaned, and on the day Isaac was weaned, Abraham held a great feast. But Sarah saw that the son whom Hagar, the Egyptian, had borne to Abraham was mocking. And she said to Abraham, Get rid of that slave woman and her son, for that slave woman's son will never share in the inheritance with my son Isaac. The matter distressed Abraham greatly because it concerned his son. But God said to him, Do not be distressed about the boy and your maidservant. Listen to whatever Sarah tells you, because it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. And I will make the son of the maidservant into a nation also, because he is your offspring. Early the next morning, Abraham took some food and a skin of water and gave them to Hagar. He said, set them on their on her shoulders and then sent her off with the boy she went her way and wandered in the desert of Beersheba when the water in the skin was gone she put the boy under one of the bushes then she went off and sat down nearby about a bow shot away for she thought I cannot watch the boy die and as she sat there nearby she began to sob God heard the boy crying and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What is the matter, Hagar? Do not be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. Lift the boy up and take him by the hand, for I will make him into a great nation. Then God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water. So she went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. God was with the boy as he grew up. He lived in the desert and became an archer. While he was living in the desert of Paran, his mother got a wife for him from Egypt. And then from Matthew chapter 10, beginning at 24. A student is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the student to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. If the head of the house has been called Belzebub, how much more the members of his household, his household. So do not be afraid of them. There is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from the will of your Father. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Whoever acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before men, 
I will disown him before my Father in heaven. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And anyone who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you. This first part in Genesis is talking about Abraham and how we all know the story that Hagar, the maidservant, had a son to Abraham because Sarah was barren. And Sarah thought she couldn't have any children. But we know from the story, I think it was two weeks ago, when we talked about God appeared to Abraham and told Abraham and Sarah that they would have a son in another year. So now this is actually about three or four years later than that because we know that Sarah did have a son. And it begins by saying when the child was weaned. In their day, that would have been about three years old. About three years old. That's hard for us to believe today, but that's the way it was in their day. And it's interesting because if we look back, uh, Ishmael, the son to Hagar, was about 13 when Isaac was born. So this is three years later. So now this boy would be about 16 years old. And now they're having this party or feast for Isaac. They celebrated every step in their children's lives. I think that's an interesting thing if we think about it, because today we have children that celebrate graduating from kindergarten and from each grade of school practically and graduation from high school and from college and everything else they do. But they celebrated when the child was weaned. And at that feast, at that feast, think about this story. Um, yeah, my mind went blank there, sorry. Hagar's son, Ishmael, was literally making fun of Isaac, was mocking him, because he thought that he was the one to inherit everything. And technically, if Sarah wouldn't have had a child, Ishmael would have inherited everything of Abraham's. And it was Sarah that, knowing she was barren, had Abraham go to Hagar to have a child. Now this becomes kind of a hairy situation if we think about it. And it's something that today I want you to really put some thought into this. And I'll get into that in a second here. But think about Sarah had Abraham go to Hagar to have a son. And now he has a son to the maidservant. The son that would have inherited everything had Sarah not had a child. But Sarah had a child, right? Now, Sarah is upset because of what happened with the servant. 
Now put yourself first in Sarah's place. And I know this is easier for the women to do right now. But think about being Sarah. She was barren and it was important for them to have children. In their day, it was very important to have children. Important to have children to carry on the family, to carry on the inheritance of everything. We know many stories of things that happen with inheritances. But Sarah was the one who told Abraham to go to Hagar. Now I can imagine that she did that knowing that they didn't have a son. But she did that before God told her that she would have a son. And now she has regrets, I would say. That's the best word I could think of. Is a regret, right? If you were in her shoes, would you now regret the decision to have the husband go to a maidservant, to have a child? And now then that she has a child, she wants to be sure that everything that the child inherits goes to her son. But technically, technically Ishmael should have had a part of that, right? Ishmael has that right. Now, have you thought about how Sarah felt? Sarah was probably jealous of Hagar. And probably used to come up with some words that's better than what I could think of. How she felt, Sarah felt against Hagar. How she might have even felt to her husband for what had actually happened. Even though, we all have to say, she was the one that initiated it, right? Okay, I'm glad we agreed on that one. <laughs> but now for a second, I want you to think about Hagar. How do you think Hagar is feeling now that Sarah has a son? And now she knows that her son will be mostly cut out of the inheritance. And she's probably worried with what's going to happen to her and her son. And Ishmael is only a teenager by now. And Ishmael is mocking Isaac. Says he's mocking him. So what happens? Sarah wants rid of the maidservant. Wants rid of this other son. Now I'm going to put it to the guys for a minute. Think about this. How would you feel if your wife told you to get rid of, sorry about the wording here, the other woman and the son? It's still your son. And it wouldn't be an easy thing to do. Because I'm sure in those 13 years before Isaac was born, I'm sure Abraham got close to Ishmael. I'm sure that he took him as his own son, which is what they would have done in those days. But now his wife is telling him, that woman and that child has to go. And I'm sure that that would be a hard thing for Abraham. I think every one of us could agree with that part. It would be hard to say that son probably didn't worry so much about Hagar as much as he did the son, having to make that son leave. Totally leave him, that he may never see him again. So you can imagine how it says he was distressed. Yes, I would have been distressed too if I was him. So now as we think about what Abraham's going through, Think about now, we're going to put it back to Hagar and Ishmael. When Abraham takes this water and this food and gives it to her and says, leave, leave, go away and don't come back. 
I can't even imagine that party. I can't imagine how Abraham would have held his son and said, I'm sorry that I have to do this. I'm sorry that you have to leave, but you're going to have to go. So they leave and they go wander in the desert. And it says that Hagar and Ishmael as they're in the desert and they run out of water. Probably the most important thing if you're living in a desert would be water, right? And it says that as she runs out of water, it says she put the boy under a bush. Now, I'm sorry, he's not as young a boy as some of us might try to think at this point. But she gave him some shade. And she went, it says a bow shot away. So however far a bow might be able to shoot an arrow. She went away because she didn't want to watch him die. Because she felt sure that they were probably both going to die. But as a mother, she was concerned about her child first. And I think most of us could agree with that part. We would worry about our child before ourselves. And it says that she was crying. She was crying. He was crying. And God heard them. God heard them in that desert. And God came to Hagar and said, Hagar, I hear your cries. I hear your cries. Now she was an Egyptian, right? From whenever... Abraham and Sarah had went to Egypt because of the famine. When they left Egypt, they were given servants and they were given livestock. So she was apparently one of the servants that was given to them, which I would think she was given more to Sarah than to Abraham. But yet now, here she is in the desert with her son, thinking that they're both going to die. And God, comes to them. So somewhere along the line, she's learned that Abraham believes in God and Abraham is a follower of God and that she has picked that up. She's heard and she's seen and she's learning from it. Didn't say that she prayed, did it? But it said that she was concerned. And God appeared to them. And God told her that your son will also be a great nation. And we know the story of what happens from that. From Ishmael is where we get the uh, Arab nations and those nations. But when God spoke to her, he also showed her a well. Now I can imagine God had to create that well on that particular moment, that particular place and time. He made a well so that they could have water. And he took care of them. And it says from there that he grew and he became an archer. So apparently they found a place to live, a place to stay and, and food to, to feed them and take care of them. And God took care of them. And it says that she found him a wife from Egypt. So apparently she went down to Egypt to where she was from and found him a wife. But think about what was going on with Abraham and Sarah in the meantime. I can imagine that Abraham grieved every day for the loss of his son. I can imagine that Sarah was glad they were gone. Sarah was glad that she didn't have to deal with them anymore because she wanted her son to be the most important in their lives. But what happens here? We spend time thinking about our fathers, Abraham 
was the boy's father. Both boys. And we talk today because it's Father's Day about our fathers. And most of us are thankful for the fathers that we had. Most of us had an upbringing that taught us whatever we've learned in our lives. In their days, they would usually learn the same trade that their father did. Today, we stray off and do different things, don't we? But fathers are the guidance, especially for the boys. And Isaac, we know, becomes a great nation because God made him a great nation. But remember the most important thing today. It's not about worshiping our father, but it's about worshiping our heavenly father. And today as we talk about Father's Day, it's a great time to think about our heavenly father, whom we should be worshiping, whom we should be looking up to, whom we should be finding our guidance and our direction for everything that we do, everything that we say. So I hope you took a few minutes as we were talking about those things to think about the feelings that each one of those people had. Now I know that Isaac being young, he would have only been three years old. He probably didn't understand what was even going on. He probably missed his older brother after he was gone, but he learned to get past that. And poor uh, Ishmael, Ishmael had to learn to grow up to be the man of the house. And Hagar had to take over all the responsibilities of raising him and guiding him in the right direction. Do you think Sarah ever wondered even what happened to them? Do you think Sarah even cared that, that she ran them off and that they were gone? But I can imagine that Abraham, every day, every day, I can imagine that he missed his son. So who's in control here? I believe this is the thing that we need to think about today. It's not only about how we feel, how we think, how they was thinking at their time, but it's about who is in control. And God the Father is still in control. He took care of both families, didn't he? We know that he took care of Abraham and Sarah and, and Isaac, but we also know that he took care of uh, Hagar and Ishmael. So he changed their lives as he should change each and every one of our lives every day. But I want you to move ahead a little bit now to Matthew and think about these words. It says that the student's not above his master or his teacher and the servant not above his master. So there again, we can say that our Heavenly Father is the only one that should be better than any one of us. He's trying to tell us that every one of us are equal. I think we've heard that somewhere at some time before. We are equal. I know that some people think they're better than others, maybe because of they might have a little bit more money, they might have a bigger house, they might have something that we don't have. They might be smarter. I'm not sure there's a lot of people smarter than I am. But I've always had this saying that I believe there's something that we're all smart at, and I hate to say this part, but we're all dumb at some things. But that's what makes us different. That's what makes us different. And it's good that we don't all have the same thing in our lives. The same direction of what we were to do. Can you imagine if every one of us were farmers? 
we blow, we'd grow plenty of crops and maybe animals and livestock, we'd have food, but if we didn't have other people that did other things, they wouldn't have the need for it. So we're thankful, thankful that we each have a different, I'll say vocation, different job title, a different thing that we can do. And I do believe that we're all smart at a lot of different things. We just don't always get the credit that we deserve. And thank God we are different, right? Can you imagine if we were all alike? One thing that was interesting, the kids said this week about, you know, did God make anybody ugly? Well, no, because God made us all in His image and He wouldn't make anybody ugly, would He? And He made us all smart. So it's just what we do with that smarts in, in each one of us and how we live. So remember, this part about, I want, you, I want to bring this up real quick while I think about it. This was Jesus' words. And Jesus said that people called him Belzebub. In other words, they called him Satan. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was literally called Satan. And if he was called Satan, imagine the people that will call you and I Satan's or little devils. I've been called that enough times. <laughs> Probably all heard that a few times, haven't we, guys? No, I did keep that to the guys, ladies. <laughs> but what Jesus is trying to tell us is our lives may not be easy. Our lives may have a lot of contradictions in them. We may have a lot of problems from people that think we aren't who we are. They will put us down because of the way we may have been. But we know that Jesus changes our lives. Jesus will make us a new person. And because of that, because of that, we become children of God. He said He didn't come to make the peace. But I believe without Jesus, we would have no peace in this world. And we know that today there's so many problems going on around the world with the riots and all the other problems that's going on. Believe me, all lives matter. It doesn't matter the color of the skin. It doesn't matter the language we speak. It doesn't matter our size. It doesn't matter if one person has a dollar more than another. What matters is our Heavenly Father. And if we believe in Him, He will guide us through each and every day. He will be the strength that we need. The strength that even Hagar and Ishmael found in the desert. The strength that Abraham and Sarah had to go on with the rest of their lives. The strength that we each need comes from our Heavenly Father. He said no one, no one should be above Him. Sometimes that's hard to do, isn't it? We have this tendency to think, I want to do it my way. I want what I want. Yeah, I'm guilty of that too, trust me. We all want to think that we're in control, but we're not in control. Only God is in control. And I pray that as we think about that over, over the rest of our lives, literally, we think about having God be the one in control. And may we live our lives knowing that He is the most important thing for each one of us. I pray that you think about that. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we know that you are the one in control. We know that nothing, nothing in our lives should be more important than you. And yet we try to do it our way. 
we try to make our decisions. We try to, to, to be like Sarah and take things into our own hands. And yet we learn the hard way that it's not always the right way. So I pray that as we go through our lives, we can learn that you are number one. That you are the most important. Yes, our family, our friends, our people around us are important to each and every one of us. But you are number one. We thank you for your love. We thank you for all that you have done for us. We thank you for the blessings you bestow upon us. So help each one of us. Guide us through the days ahead. And help us to remember you. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. First and foremost. And I give you praise in the name of Jesus. Amen.